Hi, everyone. As some of you may or may not know, the Autism Science Foundation hires amazing, and I mean amazing, summer interns every year. This year, we snagged a very talented student from New York University named Sonia Agarwal, who has an adolescent brother with autism. We had her doing all sorts of work for the organization, like tracking down fellows who we funded and those we didn't fund. As you would imagine, there's a lot of work to track down the ones we didn't fund. Who knows what they're doing and who knows where they are? We're using this information to generate a report on how things are going with our fellowship program. She also helped improve our website, reorganized information on another website we manage for the Alliance for the Genetic Etiologies of Neurodevelopmental Disorders and Autism called Agenda. And of course, I asked her to write a podcast. Now, other than the podcast, these weren't glamorous, immediately rewarding or exciting, but they're incredibly helpful for us and are necessary. Hopefully she learned as much from us as she contributed, which was a lot. Given her interest in adolescents with autism, she picked this topic, and because she is so committed to helping families, she wanted to make sure she framed it as a what you need to know about educational resources for adolescents and adults with autism. We're very sad that she went back to school. We know that's the best thing for her, though. And we do know that she'll go on to do wonderful things for families affected by autism. We hope we've given her a little bit of the science and research bug, too. So here's Sonia giving you the 411 on educational services and rights of adolescents and adults with autism. The rise of autism prevalence rates in the last two decades has given way to a rise in interest and funding into all forms of autism research and treatment, both mainstream and alternative. However, even with this influx of money going towards answering the biggest questions of autism, what causes it and how do we cure it, more than 100,000 teens and young adults with autism are graduating high school, applying to colleges and jobs, and struggling with the apparent lack of existing infrastructure to help individuals like themselves. Hi everyone, I'm Sonia, the Autism Science Foundation Summer Science and Community Relations Intern. And this podcast is going to cover the wide range of resources and opportunities available for this growing population of autistic teens and young adults who are trying to navigate entering the quote-unquote real world while on the autism spectrum. This topic is particularly important to me, and as the elder sister of a teenage boy with autism, I'm always shocked by how little existing information there is on the topic. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC, prevalence rates and birth rate data, roughly 125,000 17 to 19 year olds today are on the autism spectrum, entering adulthood and joining the nearly 1.5 million adults on the spectrum in the United States already. Of course, the pads of autistic teens and young adults, much like those of neurotypical teens and adults, can vary greatly based on skill level, practicality, and of course, interest. I'm going to cover several things in this podcast, but want to first make clear that I'm going to focus primarily on resources available for individuals with higher functioning autism who may not fit perfectly into mainstream post-secondary education or workforce options, but have the capability to thrive with some additional help. There are also many resources available for teens and young adults on the lower functioning end of the autism spectrum, but it will not be the main focus of this podcast. If anyone feels this is the information they are most interested in, please feel free to browse the resources tab on our website where we have information about transitioning to adulthood for everyone with ASD. As far as the public education system goes, under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Improvement Act, or IDEA, the government is required to provide education to children ages 3 through 21, including any services outlined in the student's Individualized Education Program, or IEP. 
For young adults aged 18 through 21 with autism and still enrolled in high school, many schools offer different programs and different forms of internship, volunteer, or work-study that ease the transition into the workforce. Additionally, many schools offer joint programs with local community colleges, another great resource for teens with high-functioning autism who wish to pursue a post-secondary education. IDEA also requires schools to begin making a transition plan with students covered by IEPs by the time they are 16 years old, and often earlier. So for parents of younger teens with autism, feel free to approach your IEP team about beginning to create a transition plan for your child. Past the scope of the public education system, there are two main paths for young adults with high-functioning autism, attending some form of post-secondary education or entering the workforce. So the main topic today is education and the different support opportunities available for students on the spectrum. Many colleges have programs designed to help students who need additional support, and there are several key factors to consider when regarding these programs. The first factor to consider, which will come as a little surprise to anyone experienced with caring for a child on the spectrum, is finances. Many schools offer additional aid for a fee, while for others it is incorporated into the services provided by tuition-paid student support or student disability centers. A second factor to consider is the intensity of the preferred program. Some programs offer much more all-encompassing life and academic support, while others offer more minimal support as needed, such as weekly meetings or resources available by request. The amount of support a student needs will play a huge role in which program they would fit best into. Another factor is the student's living situation. Some programs include everyday living aid for students, such as help with laundry, room organization, roommate relationship skills, and more. Other programs do not include these services, and many assume that the student will commute and live with their family. For students whose main concerns lie in the social aspect of college, many programs include social skills groups or peer mentoring specifically designed to help students acclimate to the social environment on their campus and become involved in extracurricular or community groups. Even with these differentiating factors, however, there are some key components of every college support program that would greatly help students with autism. Nearly all programs offer the ability to have extended time on exams, additional meetings with advisors to create personalized study and academic plans, and some form of arranged social groups or peer mentoring programs. Additionally, due to HIPAA laws, students are typically guaranteed confidentiality regarding their diagnosis, and although their advisor will know, their college professors and peers will not be privy to that information. Considering the factors I mentioned above, I researched several different programs at different colleges nationally, and will briefly go over them to give everybody a jumping off point for their own research on this topic. Eastern Michigan University's College Supports Program is fee-based and autism-specific, a program designed to help students with autism transition into college life and support them through the completion of their college degree. It encompasses direct academic support and academic resources, including assistance in planning registration and academic paths, as well as direct communication with professors and one-to-one -one peer mentor programs. This is the basic structure of most of the best autism support programs at college campuses. Drexel University's Autism Support Program is rated one of the best in the country and is nearly identical to Eastern Michigan's. Overall, it's best to know the basics of what program is best for the individual student's needs and start from there, keeping in mind the many differences between programs. For any more information, please visit our website, theautismsciencefoundation.org, or the resources on the Autism Society of America webpage and the Autism Speaks resource directory. On all three of these sites, 
there are not only resources available that expand upon this topic, but also includes more information for those who are interested in learning more about the opportunities for individuals with low-functioning autism or for those who are more interested in going into the workforce than to post-secondary education, those resources will be available on those sites. Thank you so much for listening, and this is the end of our podcast.